my whole goal for 2020 now was just to have a very steady progression of base building fitness so that I could start racing again and like feel really good and strong. And then of course the pandemic hit and I was like, well, it doesn't change my goal because my goal was to run consistently and I had a great 2020. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Hi, and welcome to episode five of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of themotherrunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today's interview is with three-time Olympic trials qualifier and founder of the run coaching group, Get Running Coaching, Neely Gracie. I was so excited to chat with Neely because she has an amazing running story and she's very real. She's not untouchable like a lot of pro athletes may be. She's honest about the challenges she's faced as a mom and as a runner, and she truly wants to share her experiences to help other runners. And we talk about her life as a mom and as a runner, challenges she encountered when she became a mom how she has exercised patience in reaching her goals, how that has really paid off, and her new book that is coming out this spring, and so much more. A little bit more about Neely is a 436 miler, a 109 half marathoner, and a 234 marathoner. She began running in eighth grade. She quickly saw success, which deepened her motivation to pursue big goals, and it started at the high school level where she won four Pennsylvania State Championships. Upon graduation, she attended Shippensburg University and became an eight-time D2 national champion. During Neely's time at Shippensburg, she studied human communication with a coaching minor because she knew she wanted to become a pro athlete one day and then start coaching others towards their goals. In 2012, she signed her first pro contract, and in 2013, Get Run Coaching was born The business has continued to grow, as has Neely's family, with the additions of her two sons, Athens in 2018 and Rome in 2021, which Rome was a surprise, so we talk about that. Neely believes that coaching helps inspire her to keep working towards her goals as a runner, coach, and mother. As mentioned, she is a three-time Olympic trials qualifier. She hopes to add another one to that list. Uh, Neely was also the top American at the 2016 Boston Marathon and is the 11th American female ever to break 60 minutes in the half marathon. Neely is thrilled to be releasing her book for female runners in April of 2022, so stay tuned. Here is my conversation with Neely Spence Gracie. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. Hey, Neely. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad you're here. 
Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you again. We were just reminiscing about how I found Neely when I started the Mother Runners account. One of the reasons why I started the account was because of the issue, some of the struggles that I had as a new mom. And one of them was hormonal imbalances postpartum, which is so common, but lots of people don't know that. And Neely is an open book and she was, she talked about her struggles. And, you know, even as a pro athlete, you encounter those and you may not know what the issue is. And so I love how just open and honest and relatable you are. And so that's why I wanted to make sure that I talked to you on this podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'll start with saying that we all have colds. And so that's why I sound terrible. And I'm just going to apologize to everyone before we even get started. (laughs) But tis the season. Hopefully no one will notice too much. Um, yes, it is. It's totally the season. And it. I, of course, like freaked out. And we took like a million COVID tests. And we're all good. It's fine. It's one of the other millions of viruses out there that we somehow got. But it's been a week. So it's a good thing that you can hear me and not see me. Because I feel like I look so tired. You don't look tired. You got your hair cut. I like it. It looks cute. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it looks really good. Mine's like a sweaty mess. The postpartum hair loss thing always makes me get my hair cut because... Oh, yes. The mom cut. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we're on the other side of it. It's not like a giant, you know, handful of hair every single time I take a shower. It's just like half a handful. So <laughs> That's good. You're moving past it. Yeah. I always get like the always, I mean, I've been pregnant twice, the little wispies in the front when the hair grows back and it's like nothing keeps it down. There's just, yeah. So fun. <laughs> so many things to look forward to. So how many months postpartum are you? Uh, Rome will be six months on December 14th. Oh, wow. Flying by. I don't know. I, it was fast with the, the first one, and it is like blink of an eye with the second. So, <laughs> Isn't that true? Oh, my gosh. The saying that the – what is it? The days – Days are long with the years are short. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. years are short. I mean, it, that is so true as a parent. Although I feel like my days have been so fast too. Like I was just talking to my mom this morning and I was like, honestly, like I need more hours in the day. Like I can't get any less sleep than I do. I can't get everything done while I am awake. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like there's just not enough time. (laughs) I feel you on that. And with everything, I mean, I like that was one of the questions I had written down was because your time management skills are have to be on point. And I know you've talked about how you are an energizer buttering. I mean, with two small kids, you're coaching a lot of athletes, right? I think I read somewhere is like 60 athletes or something like that. You're training, you're right. Oh my goodness. You're writing a book. I mean, I don't know how you do all this <laughs> and stay well. Like I said, I don't sleep a lot. So <laughs> there's that. I unfortunately end up working a lot at night when the kids go to bed. That's kind of my like, okay, do all the things is when everyone's sleeping. So I get like a solid hour or so whenever both kids are napping in the afternoon. And it's kind of like, all right, can you fit 
half a day's work into an hour. So it's just, yeah, very efficient. And then in the evening is when I kind of get some stuff done. Um, and so that causes a little bit of struggle between my husband and I, cause that's like our time together. So it's kind of this, like, how can I balance like being a half decent wife and also like getting <laughs> my work done? So that's been like a little bit of a struggle since we've added the second kid, but you know, you make it happen. And so far I've not missed deadlines and all that. I've been able to, you know, get it done, but yeah. I also have some help like um, Athens goes to preschool in the mornings now. And so that's been a nice change this year. And then my neighbor is actually walking Rome while she walks her dog and pushing him in the stroller so that I can talk to you. So um, there's like little benefits like that of, you know, okay, if I have like little windows of opportunity where I can, you know, kind of have a little glimmer of like, me <laughs> and like right. me getting to just focus on me and not having to multitask in like a hundred different ways at once. Um, those are really nice and I like super value and appreciate those. So this is like really fun for me to like only have to talk to you and not have to do other things while I'm talking to you. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I love that you know to ask for help. I mean, I think that was one of the toughest things for me to learn was, hey, it's okay to like ask a family member or a neighbor or whoever to watch your child so that you can go go for a run by yourself or meet somebody for like, that is not a weakness. That is, it takes a village. It really does. And especially with everything that you're accomplishing. Yeah. In Colorado, we don't have any family out here. So we've really had to start relying on other people. Um, and so we're just really lucky that we have such a like supportive neighborhood. <laughs> and so she's been helping me on Tuesdays and Thursdays where she will just be like, yeah, sure. I'll take Rome for an hour or two and help you out. And that's just so nice um, to have those little windows. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And you get so much done. And that's great that you have independent sleepers too, that they go to bed and like they don't need you Sometimes. to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. That was something that we failed at. So we don't have those evening times either. It's, but it's a season. Athens is like a very early to bed kid. And so he's like usually in bed by seven. But this morning he woke up at 4.58. So we've been awake for like hours and hours and hours. That's just where he is. And then poor Rome is like kind of the opposite where he would rather go to bed like a little bit later, but then he'd rather sleep in a little later. And so we'll figure it out. Well, yeah, that's, yes, you'll figure it out. (laughs) They do eventually overlap because I was in that boat too. And now... My, I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and now they sleep at the same time, which is glorious because, yes, because then you can really get stuff done and then focus on on them when because you had that stuff done and you're not thinking about it. So, okay, before we started recording, we were talking about pro-athlete status and how it's kind of weird. So you were sponsored by Adidas for how long? I was sponsored for almost five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what's that? And then I was with Brooks for almost three before Okay. That. So that was right after college? Yes. Okay. 
And so you became a, like both of your parents were amazing runners, right? Your dad was, I think I read the world championship medal holder for the marathon. Your mom was also a very talented amateur runner. So running was in your blood or is in your blood, I should say, but you didn't start running until eighth grade. Yeah, I I definitely pursued some other things as a kid. Um, I was really into horseback riding and community theater and choir. And so I did a bunch of other things like that. Um, And then in eighth grade, I watched the Foot Locker, which is now the Foot Locker East Bay um, (laughs) National Championship on TV. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I want to do it. And my dad's like, these are like the top 40 best runners in the country. And I was like, okay cool. Let's do it. And he was like, it's going to take a lot of work. I was like, tell me what to do. I'll do it. And that's what I did. And so that like became my focus. It was like, I went from running like hardly ever to like, I'm going to qualify and run in the national championship. Um, and once I set that goal, I got to work. And my first 5k that I ran was like 22 minutes that year. And, you know, I was like, okay, I have to be able to run like 18 something. And within like a few months, I had dropped down to running in the 18s. And it was like, I think I saw success pretty quickly. You know, one, I think having like just grown up around it, I had, you know, kind of picked up on some things over the years. I think I did have some natural talent. And then I also was just like not afraid to put in the work. So between all those, um, you know, the success that I saw quickly, like kind of got me really hooked and it was like, all right, well, I'm going to make this happen. And then I ended up qualifying for Footlocker as a junior and a senior in high school. And it kind of just catapulted from there. (laughs) And I just was like, okay, well then I checked that goal off. So what's next? And just kept climbing up. Um, So yeah, I turned pro out of college and I competed for about seven years on the professional level um, before I had kids. And was your dad your coach when you decided in eighth grade? Okay. Cause I would think like maybe your middle school coach wasn't like <laughs> equipped to take you to, to get you ready. Yeah, we actually, we didn't really have a middle school team. Um, we had like a little bit of like a club team, but I think we only had like, I think we only had like one race or something. Like it wasn't even really a real like organization <laughs> at the school. So we, I started training with my dad, who was the coach at Shippensburg University, which is where my hometown was. So I actually started training with the college kids whenever I was 13. Um, And it's funny because now I actually coach some of them. So I have like three of my dad's prior athletes on my team now, and I work with them. And they all were like, oh, yeah, we remember when you like kicked our butt when you were 13 and we were in college. (laughs) So (laughs) it's kind of funny to talk to them now. But yeah, so that's kind of fun when I look back on that. And then he was my coach all the way through middle school, high school, and college because I went to Shippensburg University. And so yeah, my first time not being coached by my dad was when I joined the Hansons in 2012 after college. Okay, so and now your coach is your husband? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so okay, before we get to that, how was it having your dad as your coach? Like, I would think that that was really awesome, but maybe also could have like a weird dynamic from time to time. Yeah. You know, I didn't know any different. So that's just kind of like, it was normal to me because you know, that is 
all I ever knew. Um, I feel like we handled it really well. My sisters tried to run for my dad and it didn't work out as well for them. So I don't know if it was a personality thing or, you know, what it was, but for me, it worked. It did cause some, some conflict on the team whenever I joined, uh, the college team. And actually (laughs) one of the biggest conflicts was my husband who, um, whenever I, uh, was going to be an incoming freshman, he was a junior and he sent me a Facebook message and was like, you better not be a little rat to your dad whenever you join the team. And I'd like never (laughs) talked to him at this point. And I was like, what you do is your business. Like I'm just coming to run. Like I was like, so like (laughs) uncomfortable. And I was like, I'm not going to be a rat. I I just want to run. Like I don't care what you do. And so it, it was like this, you know, joke then because we started dating like after my freshman year. And I was like, I thought you hated me. Like <laughs> you were so mean to me before I joined the team. And he's like, yeah, I was a different person then. <laughs> like, okay, Sounds good. <laughs> well, I guess he really liked your dad. It sounds like you wanted to be protective of your dad or something. I have no idea. My husband was definitely the like wild college student at the beginning, I think. And so he at one point got like suspended from a meet because he like got caught drinking and I I don't know. There were like so many things that there were just like, yeah, I think he was just nervous that I was going to come in and like try and change a bunch of things which I did. I did come in and kind of change some stuff with the culture of the team. Oh, And guess what? Everyone did great. And we won a lot of national championships and it was actually for the better. And he now will admit that. So (laughs) what kind of culture changes did you see that needed to be made? And how did you go about doing that? Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is teams need a leader and they need a leader that is positive and cohesive and respected, I guess. And so when I came in, you know, my dad kind of made some changes because we were kind of taking things to a new level with what the goals were for the team. So instead of just trying to be competitive at the conference level, we were trying to be competitive at the national level. And so we had like a couple other really good girls and myself. And because we were able to all work together, we were able to kind of create this culture and dynamic on the team of we're here to win and we're here to be really successful. And there's not a lot of room for other things to happen. And like the goal is to be very focused students and very focused athletes. And, you know, we had Sunday morning long runs that started and it was 7 a.m. Sunday morning. You had to be up and ready to run long and hard um, in the mountains (laughs) outside of Shippensburg. And, you know, my husband really didn't like that because that means that you couldn't party Saturday night, you know, which was the whole point. Right. Yeah. Sunday morning long run. And yeah, it turns out that it worked out really well for everyone. And he ended up really getting on board with it. And like we did a dry season and everyone was like super committed and it really paid off. 
<laughs> uh, for both the men and the women. And so kind of once we started to get that plan into place and get it rolling, then we started to see success. And then that kind of got everyone really excited and encouraged. And so it really created like a really awesome team dynamic and atmosphere, but it just took a little while to get people on board. But once we had the leadership from like both sides for the men and women to kind of support and encourage that and like show that there wasn't really room for people to not follow suit, then it really seemed to click and like we had a ton of success and it's really fun to look back on those years and like see how many people, you know, because it's a team sport uh, in college and like, you know, we met, I think we lost one conference championship the entire four years I was there. Um, Oh, wow. So we definitely had like a lot of success and that was really fun and exciting and, you know, special and people saw that and got on board with it. So was your dad privy to what was going on that people were partying and maybe not taking running too seriously? And you were like, look, dad, here are some proposed changes that I have for the team that could take us to the next level. You know, I think he knew a little bit. I don't think he knew a ton. I didn't like say that this is what needed to happen, but he kind of rose to the occasion. The recruiting class ahead of me, as well as my recruiting class, both had a lot of really successful high school athletes in them. And so they kind of planned, all right, like we are going to go all in and make our distance team really strong. Um, And so they kind of built a team around like, those two classes, the 2011 and the 2012 classes. And so I think having like such strong athletes coming in is what kind of helped encourage the coaches then to be like, okay, we're going to step up the expectations for everyone. But then it also was like, we were there and we wanted to work. So it was like a combination of like the attitude um, as well as like the expectation. So I'm very curious how your husband was able to make the transition from somebody who Facebook messaged you calling, telling you not to be a rat to the husband of Neely Spence. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was really funny because I thought he like hated me and that whole first semester, like we didn't talk, we didn't interact ever. Um, And then we actually both got broken up with on Valentine's Day, my freshman year. And he found out and he like texted me and that was like the first time I had ever talked to him since that time that he told me not to be a rat. And he was like, you know, we both had plans today and like they didn't <laughs> like pan out. So do you just want to come over and we can like talk? So then we're not alone. And I was like, Oh, okay, sounds good. So I like went over and we started talking and we were like, we just hung out and we were just friends. And like, we started doing runs together and like, we started just like hanging out, but it was months until we actually started dating. We didn't start dating until June. So that was like February. And I remember at one point he's, he basically told me, okay, like either we need to stop hanging out so much and like actually start hanging out with other people so that we can like find someone else to date or we'll have to start dating each other. And I was like, (laughs) I don't think I would ever date you. And then like the next week I was like, okay, maybe we could start dating because I actually like don't really want you to hang out with anyone else. (laughs) And that was like our conversation. 
<laughs> so anyways, it was kind of really practical. And it's funny when I look back on it. And then I remember so clearly just being like, look, I don't want to go through another breakup again. So like, if you're not serious about this, then don't even bother. And he's like, I don't want to go through a breakup again either. And I was like, okay, so like, if we're going to do this, we're in it for real. And he's like, okay, sounds good. And I look back and I'm like, I was 19. Oh, wow. And I said this. <laughs> and here we are <laughs> nine years of marriage later. So <laughs> it all worked out. At the age of 19, he said, I don't want to go through a breakup again. That's it. So I, so did the uh, the coaching conversation go about the same way? Like, hey, if you're serious, then we're doing this. If And, you know, I don't know if I can see myself being coached by anybody else. So, okay, let's do this. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So I've actually been fired by him and then he re-decided that he could handle me again, I guess. So <laughs> in 2015, I left Michigan and we moved to Colorado and um, he just started coaching me at that point. And it was just kind of like by default. And so he started working with me and I ended up PRing in every distance that year. And so I was like, that's cool. <laughs> like, maybe we'll just continue. <laughs> He's like, okay, sounds good. And then 2016 and 2017 were like my two best years, you know, where I ran Boston and was the top American. And I got eighth place in New York and ran 234, which is my PR. And so, you know, things are just working really well and clicking. And then 2017, that fall, I ended up getting hurt in my buildup into New York. I was going to do New York again. And I think he started to blame himself for the injury. And he was kind of questioning his coaching methods, I guess. And so he was a little bit concerned that maybe I should have a different coach. And we had kind of started the conversation. And he was like, ah, like, I think that you need someone that's not me. Like, I think I've gotten you as far as you I can get you and blah, blah, blah. And then I got pregnant. Um, and so we kind of put off that whole conversation again until the following year after I had Athens and I was starting to like think about getting back. And he was like, yeah, no, like, I don't want to coach you. I, you know, and I think he still had this like anxiety from the injury, which honestly, I think it was just one of those, my body just needed a break. It was just, I don't think it was his fault. I don't think it was my fault. I think that my body just had been training at a really high level for 15 years and was like, okay, we need to take a little breather. Um, so you had stayed healthy for about 15 years? You know, I had had injuries off and on, but this was, you know, a pretty devastating one to have to just like completely withdraw from a big event. Yeah. And it was one of those that like, I just couldn't shake it. Like I kind of tried everything and it was like a month of trying this therapy and that therapy and taking a week off and, you know, and just nothing was working. And it was like a foot thing, which most of my injuries are all foot things. And so, yeah, it was just one of those like annoying things that, you know, happen. And <laughs> when I look back on it, it's like, I think I just really needed like an extended break mentally as well as physically. And so I, you know, I took that time and then we started the conversation again of, okay, maybe I need a different coach. And he was like, yeah, I won't coach you. And I was like, but like, you know, coming back from pregnancy, it doesn't need to be anything fancy. And he was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do it. So I started working with Terrence Mahone 
who was an Adidas coach. And so it kind of made sense. Naturally, he'd worked with Dina Castor and Ryan Hall and oh, wow. uh, Amy Hastings over the years. And so I knew that he knew the marathon and the distance and everything, even though his team in San Diego is primarily middle distance focused. And so it was kind of fun. I like flew to San Diego and like did a couple training camps out there with them. And this is where that whole hormone thing kind of started, where it was just like my body just was not recovering the way it had prior to having kids. And so I just wasn't able to train. And I don't know if it was from lack of sleep, if it was from, you know, kind of the postpartum anxiety stuff that I was dealing with. I'm not really sure. But whatever it was, my body was not handling anything well. at a hormonal cellular level. Um, And so, yeah, I ended up like just same thing, kind of started all these injuries again. And I just, I basically couldn't do workouts because I couldn't recover from them. And so that was like kind of embarrassing because here I am working with like this world-class coach and I like can't even successfully get through like little fart like workouts that he was giving me because I just couldn't couldn't recover. And so, you know, he was very patient with me. I had a great experience working with Terrence. I really liked him as a coach, as a person, but I, my body just wasn't in a good enough spot. So I kind of stepped back, took a couple of weeks off and I was just like, look, like I can't even do (laughs) any of the training that you've given me. Unfortunately, I need to just like take a month off reset and then just like easy run until my body can handle it. That was kind of my plan. So I started like kind of step back. I was just doing some light, easy runs. And that's when I fractured my femoral neck end up four months out. And it was just like devastating. Like there was, you know, I was again, I was like, okay, maybe my body's just done. Like maybe this is it. And I honestly think it was all the hormonal stuff. I think that was literally the reason behind all of that. I mean, my body just wasn't ready and I mentally was ready. And so I pushed harder than I should have and kind of forced my body into it. And it just kind of put up the stoplight for me there. Did you get blood work done to figure out where your levels were? And that's what kind of tipped you off that something was up. It wasn't just the fact that you were tired or, you know, you weren't meant to run anymore. (laughs) That was part of it. Um, Yeah, I did get blood work done. Everything was super stressed. Like my body was just stressed. And, you know, I was like, this is so stupid. Like I'm only running like half as much as I normally do when I'm in training. Like, how am I so stressed? But then you start adding it all up and it all makes sense, you know? And I think also, you know, I was sponsored and I had this like internal pressure of like, like other people get back to racing. Why am I not getting back to racing? And so I think that definitely, I just, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself and like kind of questioning, like, will I ever run again, like competitively and at an elite level. And so I think that all the stress just like added up to my body just not being capable of working with me. So yeah, it was super unfortunate. I will say this time around has been completely different. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I have so much more confidence in myself and I know that it all comes back when my body is ready. And so I'm not forcing it. I'm not rushing or pushing myself in any way. I'm keeping things really light and easy and relaxed and fun. And yeah, ironically, I ran like 
an 1845k altitude <laughs> for Thanksgiving. And I've done not a single workout um, <laughs> in the past, you know, year. <laughs> so oh, how did you get to that point? Because I think that's something a lot of runners struggle with because a lot of runners are type A, myself included. And we put this internal pressure on ourselves, which can be self-limiting. So how are you able to get to that point to kind of to to ease off, take the pressure off, let your body be the guide, and then in turn that's given you confidence and success down the road. Yeah. So 2019 after I had that fracture and I started back to running, I just felt awful. I felt so bad. And it was like Athens was a year old and I was like here I am starting run walk all over again, which is what I did, you know, after birth. And I was like, this is so upsetting. And I remember I worked up to five mile runs and that was about all I could do. Like anything more than that exhausted me. And, you know, when I'm in normal training, my easy day is 10 miles. And that's like the shortest day I would have. So it was, you know, substantially less volume than I was used to. And yeah, it was really tough, like mentally. And finally, I just got to the point where I was like, okay, you know what? I don't even care if I ever race again. For me, I just want to be able to run every day and have fun with it. Like, I don't want every run to feel terrible and for me to hate it. And so that kind of became my goal was like, I'm going to meet up with friends. I'm just going to have easy, fun, short miles. And that's what I started doing. I started running with friends um, and just keeping it really light. I had no goals, no expectations, um, you know, totally dropped the professional side of <laughs> the, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a runner. Not a <laughs> to the point that I was like, I mean, I like to jog. Um, <laughs> so I started doing that. And I remember so distinctly one run, November of 2019, where I was like, oh, I felt like my, I felt like myself again. Like I felt good on that run. And that was awesome. And I got this like little flame, like ignited inside of me again. And I was like, oh, but the Olympic trials are coming up and you set this goal. I had it written down. I can and will qualify for the 2020 Olympic trials. I wrote it down when I was pregnant. And so I was like, I mean, do you think I can do it? Like the final qualifying date was January 20th and this was November and I was doing five mile easy runs. And I was like, all right, let me give myself another week and I'll figure it out. So I like did another week and I still had this like little fire lit. And so I called my agent at the time and I was like, so I want to run Houston. It's the final day to qualify. And he was like, you think you can do it? And I was like, yep. He was like, all right, we'll make it happen. So I had six weeks from the time that I decided I was going to run Houston till the time that Houston actually was. And I ended up doing one workout a week. I worked my long runs up to 20 and I ended up going and I ran 244 and qualified for the Olympic trials. And at that point, that was when I was like, all right, I know that when my body is like working with me, then we can do good things. And so I was like, my whole goal for 2020 now was just to have a very steady progression of base building fitness so that I could start racing again and like feel really good and strong. And then of course the pandemic hit and I was like, well, 
it doesn't change my goal because my goal was to run consistently. And I had a great 2020. Like my training was so good because I didn't have any race pressure. No one was racing. So I didn't feel any stress in that regard. And so I just, I put in the miles and I slowly built up and I was able to listen to my body because I ran by myself every day and we didn't go anywhere. So we didn't get like thrown off routine or schedule. You know, we didn't go anywhere. So we didn't get sick. Like there are so many things that were actually really positive, despite it all being in a very sad and difficult time. And so last fall of 2020 was like some of the best training I've ever had. And when I look back on that, I like have so much confidence in myself because it really wasn't when Athens turned two that I started to feel like my body was working with me again and was mine. Um, And so this time around, that's how I have the confidence is because I know how good I felt last year. And it all just came from just really slow, steady progression and not rushing or forcing anything. Like your six week turnaround to qualify. And then six weeks later, you run the trial. I mean, that just, it blows my mind. Like it is unfathomable to me that you went from running five miles. When I look back at the amount of work that I put in during those weeks, I'm like, wow, that that's actually really impressive. And I do not recommend anyone try that. I know. I mean, the fact that you didn't get injured is amazing. I would never tell one of my athletes to do that. Um, it is not ideal. But what was your mileage? <laughs> it was jump? The trial. They only happen every four years. So I had to go for it. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you went from running like 30 miles a week up to running like 70 or how? I did 73 was my peak. That's crazy. And did you even taper at all? I did a one-week taper. One-week taper. That is insane. That is insane. (laughs) My long run, the 20-miler, I had to do on the treadmill because it snowed, and that was pretty terrible. Yeah. That was probably the worst one. And so whenever I was out like in the race itself and it was starting to get hard, I was like, well, at least you're not on the treadmill. (laughs) Yes. Yes. What Would you just watch TV shows and movies and listen to music, or what do you do to buy the time on the treadmill? Yeah, I did all those. Yeah. Everything. (laughs) I kind of like broke it down where like I first started. And I like listen to music for my warm up, and then I switched over to podcasts, and then I switched to TV shows, and then you know, like I like went through all the things. That meme of uh, Robin Williams coming out with like the beard, and you know, I, I've been on the treadmill for a half hour. What year is it? I mean, it's so true because the time you feel like just years have gone by when you're on it. So that's amazing. That definitely gives you perspective and mental fortitude when you're out there. So, and then you're building this beautiful base during the pandemic and then surprise, you're pregnant. Surprise, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I found out at my annual OB appointment, I went in and uh, I was like telling her my OB is a marathoner. And so I went in and I was telling her all about how I have the marathon project coming up in six weeks. And like, I don't say this very often because you know, I'm usually pretty conservative with my goals, but I really think I'm ready to PR. Like I've been feeling so good. I've been hitting like the best workouts I've ever had. I finally got my fueling figured out because I was really struggling with in-race fueling. And I was like, I think this is going to be it. Like this is, this comeback's happening finally. Like it's been so long. And then she's like, um, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Talk about just a mix of emotions for you. Oh my goodness. I burst into tears. You had no idea. No idea. No idea. I was like a few days late, but I was like, I haven't trained this hard in so long. Like, of course, you know, things get a little bit like off. When I was training prior to having Athens, my period was always like every three to six weeks, just depending. Like, um, it was never exactly consistent at 28 days. Um, And so... I was like, oh, you know, I'm not that worried about it. And when I first brought it up to her, she wasn't really that worried about it. She's like, I mean, that all makes sense. Um, She's like, we're just going to test just to make sure. And yeah, I was actually on the way home. She had like said goodbye and I was driving home and then she called me and I just instantly knew. She's like, you need to turn around and come back here. So went back When you were pregnant with Athens, it was totally different, right? Like that was what tipped you off was that you were really, really tired and not feeling like yourself in the early stages. Yeah, no, with Athens, like I definitely was really tired, but we also were kind of trying with Athens. So I I had taken a pregnancy test like the week before and it just didn't show up yet. And in hindsight, I kind of wonder if I didn't let it sit long enough. Like if I would have seen it had I let it sit for longer, but I think I only let it sit for like a few minutes. So I was like, "Eh, no, it's fine. Like, (laughs) and then we went to Vegas and then (laughs) the, the next week I was like, oh, the room is spinning and something is really wrong with me. And then when I took a test and realized I was pregnant with him. So yeah, I found it at like six and a half weeks with Athens and five and a half weeks with Rome. Um, Okay. So yeah, but my pregnancies were so different. I still had the, the fatigue with Rome, but not as bad as I had with Athens, which was fortunate because, you know, when you have a toddler and you're pregnant, you can't really relax. So, so yeah, so fortunately. I wonder if that's because like, you know, when you're constantly on the move, you don't have the chance to get tired, but you know. No, I think that totally plays into it. Yeah. yeah. You're just so distracted. Um, you don't have enough time to like wallow and overthink. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was sick the whole time with Athens and with Rome, I was like sick for like a two week period and that was it. So there were definitely a lot of pros to the second pregnancy. Um, you know, I feel like I was pretty traumatized after my first pregnancy with Athens and like, I wasn't able to run after 18 weeks with him. So that was really hard where with Rome, I ran every day until I delivered. Um, so it was just completely different and I'm really glad and I'm going to use the little segue here. Um, (laughs) So I'm writing a book. Um, and tell us about it. Yes. It's called breakthrough and it's for women chasing down big goals. Well, I am definitely going to get it. (laughs) Everybody should get it, but that is like... I have a co-author. Her name is Cindy Kuzma and you may have heard of her. She writes for Women's Running and Runner's World and she has another book out called Rebound about athletes and injury. So she actually has a podcast called The Injured Athlete and so it's been really fun to get to work with her but One of our chapters is called Ready, Set, Grow, and it's about pregnancy and postpartum running. And I am so glad that I had such a better pregnancy the second time around because writing this chapter would have been so hard if I only had my experience with my pregnancy with Athens because I like 
didn't run <laughs> and I felt terrible and like, you know, everything about it was so hard. And I was like, I don't even understand how people can ever run when they're pregnant. And then my experience with Rome was so much better that I was like, I'm so glad that I had both of these experiences to share. So I'm not just like, you're doomed forever. Right. <laughs> if you're pregnant, you're trying to run. It's terrible. Just forget <laughs> it. So it was helpful to have that timing where I had a really positive experience the second time around. So that way, when I wrote that chapter, you know, I could share both sides, um, the first one and the second one. And the honest truth that I didn't really do anything different between the two. It was just my body handled it so much better the second time than it did the first time. I think that's like, it's really cool that you had those different experiences because it just goes to show, and this is so important, especially when people are scrolling on social media, that every pregnancy is different. Everybody's return to running postpartum is different. So it just really is never comparing apples to apples. So don't ever be tempted to do that. If you see somebody who's rushing back, don't think, well, what's wrong with me that I that I'm not able to go for a four mile run six months or six weeks postpartum or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think Sarah Vaughn, she's, you know, obviously an amazing runner. Um, <laughs> but also she has so many great things to say about being a mom as well. And I love that she told me and it gave me a lot of confidence and like hope was every pregnancy is different and every return uh, to running is different. And so she's like, it's not even just person to person, it's pregnancy to pregnancy. And so that really was hopeful for me since my pregnancy with Athens was so hard and my return to running <laughs> was so hard with him that, you know, this time around, it's been so much better that I, I'm really grateful <laughs> that uh, she kind of helped ease those fears that I had. So when does the book come out and where can people find it? Yeah, it's coming out in April, um, ideally before Boston, and hopefully I'll be a Boston with the book there. Oh, cool. And then it will be on Amazon. We are publishing with Human Kinetics, so we'll be on their site as well. And so... Yeah, it should be like most places that you can find <laughs> running books. And I'm really excited about it because while there are training plans that are, you know, a part of the book, there's a 5K, 10K training plan, a half marathon training plan, a marathon training plan, and then like a return to run, like a walk run if you're new to running or if you're coming back from an injury or a pregnancy. So there are training plans, but that's not the main focus of the book. The main focus of the book is kind of a big picture of all the things it takes to be a good runner and to meet your goals. And so we kind of start with goal setting and we work through fueling, injury prevention, strength training, mindset, pregnancy and running. Um, we have a whole chapter on hormones, female athlete hormones and how that, you know, can impact your, your training and, uh, your recovery, you know, 
we have a, a chapter on breathing and a chapter on kind of when things don't go your way, this is how you can adjust. <laughs> so I really wanted to make sure that it was more of like a story and it was fun to read. It's going to be in color. So it's going to be aesthetically pleasing to read. So we have lots of great photos and images in there. And then at the end of each chapter, we have kind of a Cliff Notes version of, all right, so here's the 25 pages that you read summarized into five things that you can do that will help your running moving forward. Oh, that's awesome. So how did you get the idea for this or like what spurred you to take on another huge project in addition to everything else that you do? Yeah, no, it was... I remember being in college. Um, so when I went to Shippensburg, I was a human communication major and a coaching minor. And I always tried to tie the two t- together because for me, being a coach means that you are a very good communicator. You know, we've seen every single coaching movie under the sun, and it's not necessarily about do you understand the sport and the science behind everything? It's can you relay all of that and be a positive person in getting your athletes to trust you and then to do what you recommend they do so that they get better. And so whenever I was in college, I would try and, you know, all my speeches were about communicating and sports basically. (laughs) And there's like nothing out there. (laughs) It was really hard to find anything that kind of tied these two things together. And so I was like, ah, someday I'm going to write a book and I'm going to make sure that people get that communication and coaching go hand in hand. So I kind of got the idea in college that I was going to write a book someday and it's been on a bucket list for me. And then in March of 2020, Human Kinetics reached out to Cindy and said, hey, Cindy, we want you to write a book and we want you to have a co-author who is a coach. And she suggested me. And so they contacted me. And from then, we kind of started working on it together. And we had to submit a proposal of, you know, here's kind of what we're thinking and our ideas. And then of August, in August of 2020, we started writing. So yeah, we're coming up on two years of this being an idea that we've, you know, kind of developed. And they gave us a lot of freedom. They were like, all right, we we want a book that is written for women by women. And as ironic as that is, there are books written for women by men, but there's not a lot of books out there that, you know, have this and we want you guys to do this. And so I kind of came up with the idea of like, all right, we need to look at all of the elements, not just training. You know, there's tons of training books out there. There's no one right way to train. Everyone is going to have a different approach. And, you know, I've learned that as a professional. I line up on the starting line and it's like every single one of us have done something different to get to where we are today. But if I can be my best self and you can be your best self, we both are going to get the most out of ourselves on the day. And so I didn't want the emphasis to be just on training because I want people who maybe already have a coach to also benefit from this book. You know, the training aspect is only four chapters when there's 17 in the whole book. So I want to make sure that 
you know, everyone can get something out of this. And no matter whether you're using my training plans or someone else's training plans because they work for you better, then that's great. That's fine. The main focus is what are all these other things that you can be doing that are a little bit more like lifestyle focused or organizational focused or, you know, learning like, I didn't know anything about the whole hormone stuff until way later than I feel like I should have. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. You know, running on your period is like, it happens. What do you do with it? <laughs> and like having it show up on race morning. Oh my goodness. Having it show up on race morning. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you handle this? And, you know, those are things that I feel like are not as talked about. And so they're very important to female running. And I wanted to, you know, bring that information forward. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. And we have um, a lot of guest like little blurbs in there. So we talked to people like Sarah Hall and Molly Huddle, Becky Wade and Emily Infield. So we have a lot of like, really great insight that is not just from coming from me, but also coming from other professionals as well. So I'm really excited about it. Oh, it sounds amazing. In case you can't tell. So thanks for letting me talk about it because it's the first time I've gotten to actually talk about it. So awesome. Well, I can't wait to read it and I'm definitely going to promote it. I mean, it's perfect for my audience. It sounds, honestly, it sounds perfect for me. I really like, I'm really excited about it. Okay. So that's a big thing that's happening in 2022. Are you sharing or do you even know like kind of what sort of running goals you may have in the new year? Well, um, my goal for this whole first year postpartum is just consistency. I do feel like I, so getting sick, I've ended up taking three days off and I kind of feel like that's like, closing off my like early postpartum running chapter. And now I'm kind of like moving into this like next phase of training. So I'm really into like periodized training um, with like phases and like systematic progression. And so I kind of see this as being like, all right, this is my like break. And now I'm going to like start this new phase. And this new phase is going to include a bit more mileage and going to start working into like doing some strides and like unstructured training. But I think I'm going to actually start like putting together a little bit of a plan for myself. I was very cautious to do that these first six months because like I said, I rushed back a little bit too quick with Athens. So this time I've just been like, I'm just going to listen to my body. I don't have a plan. I kind of just like eased into uh, my running. I, you know, kind of worked up to being able to do like five to 10 miles a day with 10 kind of being my long run and anywhere between like five and eight throughout the week. And I was feeling pretty good there. And then, like I said, I like did that little 5k just for fun in my neighborhood. And that was actually like really awesome and enjoyable and like actually kind of nice to like be able to run sub six minute pace after not doing any workouts. So stroller running is actually (laughs) a huge benefit because Whenever I was like running without the stroller, I was like, oh, I feel so good. Yes. <laughs> but I still, I run with stroller most days. Um, fortunately, usually only the single, not the double. Um, the double like, is a beast. Me. Yeah. Especially on hills. So 
I usually like run Athens to school, which is a mile away. And then I drop him off and then I run home and then I switch out and I put Rome into the single and then I continue my run. You so, got the system down. <laughs> that's kind of my, my norm. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like my goal for this early, you know, next six months or whatever is just kind of to get into like a decent groove mileage wise, um, you know, 70s is kind of my like sweet spot. So I'd like to work up to kind of being able to just handle 70s really easily and consistently and then rebuild some of that economy with uh, the strides and the turnover. I need to start getting in the gym twice a week that and by gym, I mean my garage because I know how important that is for me with building like the strength and that I need for durability. And I've been really good at getting in once a week, but I really need to do twice a week before I can start doing workouts. And then now that they've released the Olympic trials qualifying standard, I have a lot of feelings about that, which we'll have to save for another day. But I know <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about that. I, that has been consuming my mind. <laughs> Yes, it's I'm really disappointed to be honest Me too. with you know the the amount of people that will not make that and have the opportunity. I know that women are going to rise to the occasion and I hope to be one of them. And so, you know, that's kind of my next goal is qualifying for my fourth Olympic trials. So that's amazing. Yeah, I get, we might have to talk about that at another time. <laughs> another time. I understand why they did it, but it was not what I was expecting. And for people like the sub elites, like me, it would take a huge. I mean, it would. I feel like it would consume my life in order to get that in the, that time frame. Um, especially for me personally, I've been out for a half a year with an injury. So, yes, but I. That's. I mean. You have a 234 under your belt. You qualified in six weeks for the last one. So, you know, I admire your patience so much and knowing your body and knowing, you know, like, hey, I have to get in the gym two times a week before I start adding intensity to my work. That's amazing. And I have to start sleeping. (laughs) I mean, that is key. That is so key. That's sleep's the foundation for everything. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, my husband used to coach with Steve Magnus and oh wow I, he would always say that it was like if there is one thing you can do like sleep is probably the closest you can get to magic and i'm like yeah yeah the other day i looked at my watch and it was like you slept four and a half hours last oh. night I know. And then it messes with your head. I have a whoop and it's like, I'll wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm kind of tired. And then I'll look at my recovery score and how much I actually slept. And I'm like, now I really feel like crap. Thank you for telling me that. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So if people want to find out more about your coaching and more about you, where can they do that? Yes. I have a website, getrunningcoaching.com. And I am on Instagram. We have at Get Running Coaching Instagram account, as well as my own, which is Neely S. Gracie. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. And I hope you feel better soon. And this isn't going to air probably until January, so right after the new year. So I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. White Christmas, I'm sure, out in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We've had exactly no snow. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Until like two days ago, it's been 70. I wore a t-shirt and shorts 
to take the kids for a walk the other day. And I was like, I'm not really sure what's happening right now, but now it's like <laughs> So it's going to happen here. Winter is coming. But yes, <laughs> Colorado had a very nice fall. It was oh, by oh, good. Far, like the best fall for running. So I can't complain. Yes. Yeah. It's weird when it's happening. You're like, this is great. I'm not complaining, but I'm also kind of weirded out by this. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, awesome, Neely. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, I really look forward to your book coming out and hopefully we can connect then and talk more about it. Yes. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. And I appreciate you giving me this time to talk today. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Thank you again, Neely, for chatting with us and being so open and honest. And thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com dot com slash TPR. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Thanks for listening.